right. Welcome in, hockey fans in the desert southwest. It is another edition, another episode of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Seth Askelson, joining us from North Phoenix, uh, Arizona. Folks, we open up tonight on a very somber note. Um, to be honest with you folks, I debated several days on whether it was right to do a show tonight. Um, we met, we talked uh, as a staff yesterday. Uh, we decided that we wanted to push forward on this. It's uh, It's been a very tumultuous uh, week in the United States, and it continues as the protests and demonstrations continue uh, based on the uh, the murder, I guess all we can say at this point, the murder of uh, George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. For those of you that don't know, I'm a Minnesota native, been in Arizona, though, for a long time, nearly 30 years, and uh, it's still a lot of ties to Minnesota. So, Seth, as we open up this uh, the very somber night, uh, first and foremost, how are you and your family? We're doing well. Um you know, just like everybody else trying to, you know, figure out the injustices in this country and, and try to figure out, you know, <clears throat> kind of what's next, right? I mean, you're seeing people rightfully so march for rights and, and stand together and um, just some trying times right now. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Like you said, we had a good meeting between all of us uh, yesterday uh, here at Iceheim Hockey Southwest. So, um for us, we've got a. I think we got a good plan uh, moving forward, not only with the podcast, but just once everything opens back up, uh, what we got going here on Ice Time Hockey Southwest. Couldn't agree more, and we are uh, very excited to uh, continue to move forward with what's going on. Uh, we have a lot of exciting professional hockey news here in the desert southwest, as uh, our friends up in Vegas uh, made it official Thursday night with a uh, not what they would like. But what they could, the best they could do under the circumstances with the pandemic and the rioting going on, they introduced the uh, new AHL affiliate of the Vegas Golden Knights, the Henderson Silver Knights, which uh, the name was not much of a secret, I don't think, to anybody. But the logo certainly was very cool. We're going to have our own uh, Stephen Marsh on with us uh, in a little bit to talk a little bit about what it means to Vegas and, and how important it is. You and I have talked about it, Seth, about uh, just having your uh, affiliate right there. But once you saw and heard the name and saw the logo, anything changed with you? Um, no. I, I mean, again, obviously, like you said, it's not the announcement they wanted. It's not under the circumstances that they wanted. But um, I don't know. I, you know, again, per usual, at least once per show, I'll probably – enrage our Vegas fans but I wasn't a huge fan of the logo I thought it, right. I mean because with <clears throat> with the Knights I mean their their logo is pretty sharp right like it's it's pretty you know pretty symmetrical pretty sharp and you know not really not too busy I think that I don't know that logo to me looks kind of weird kind of a little, little bulky and maybe a little too busy but again I mean I have a degree in sports journalism, not graphic design. So what do I know? <laughs> well, I, I don't think you're totally alone on that because I've seen some comments from uh, uh, on social media from people that were going like, um, not really sure. And I think that's the way it is with every logo. I mean, UNLV went through that a couple of years ago when they had their logo uh, redeveloped and it upset a lot of people. And 
they, they wanted to go back to the old one and, you know, things like that happen. So um, I will say it's different, uh, but I'll also say it's very unique to the city of Henderson and to the, uh, you know, it had a lot of meaning. I don't know if you saw the post that came out with that explained every little detail about it and what it meant to the community. And I will give Bill Foley a whole bunch of credit for that because he does want to grow the community. He does want to tie into the community. And um, those are things off the ice. And we'll get into that a little bit more when Steven joins us here in about 15, 10, 15 minutes or so. But let's talk about the NHL coming back. We've been talking about this for goodness, 13 weeks right now, I think since the pause and they seem to have a pretty firm plan. The ice has gone back in a lot of places. Um, anything change with you on that after you heard that the ice was going in and they were going to try to restart the season in a playoff format? Um, I mean, I I guess it's really that – obviously, they haven't come out with the cities yet, um, but there's at least a little bit of an effort. Now, you and I talked last week, right um, – Phoenix, Glendale is probably out due to the Westgate shootings. Um, obviously, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. I know the arena is in St. Paul, but just with the uh, the civil unrest out there, um, that hub city is probably done for as well. Uh, another issue that I saw is I believe it's British Columbia, and I believe it's Alberta, will not waive their 14-day mandatory uh, quarantine, quarantine right? period. Yes. So, right. So they won't, they won't waive that. And another thing with that is for those Canadian teams, they're only letting natural born citizens um, into the country. So, um, you know, even those with like dual citizenship uh, might have a hard time getting in those who are on work visas, you know, like say for the Canucks, a guy like JT Miller, um, you know, the both Kachuk brothers, I don't think, you know, Ottawa wouldn't obviously be playing, but Calgary would. Um, so it would be really hard if they wanted to get both of those, you know, those teams out up to Canada. Uh, a lot of those guys probably wouldn't be allowed in. And so Canada, uh, they said they're putting their foot down. They're not going to make any special exception for the NHL. Obviously, uh, the NBA has come out and said they're going to go to Orlando. But um, how does how does that affect, say, the Raptors, right? Like if they need some of the players who have houses up there, if they went back home to the U S and they need to get something from their house in Toronto, you know, their, their yeah. in season house, are they going to be able to get back up there? So um, Canada is putting their foot down. So it, while you're like, okay, that's encouraging. Obviously I think the civil unrest across the country is going to push a lot of things back, both with the NBA and the NHL. Um, but all of a sudden two or the two or three of the hub cities that they were really looking towards um, have been are pretty much out at this point. So um, throwing a little bit of a wrench in, but uh, again, encouraging. And it seems like teams might be getting back to it soon, but uh, it just, I'm just not sure, especially with what's going on here in the U S when, when are they going to be able to play safely? Yeah. I mean, who, who would have thought that we'd be talking about when would they be able to play safely and not, using the COVID-19 term when we say that. I mean, it was pretty much that's what the deal was. Um, if you just look around the protests uh, for the last week or so, of the protests, uh, I get it. I understand why they're doing it. I understand the change that has to happen. Very proud of our two professional teams here in the Desert Southwest that both um, came out with bold, quick statements regarding racism and, and inequality and 
that just shows you the leadership of the Arizona Coyotes and the Vegas Golden Knights. So I know a lot of teams have dragged their feet on putting something out publicly, but those two for sure jumped right out as uh, as leaders. And, and, and that, I think, is very, very important as well. Uh, as getting back to the hub cities, uh, it makes all the sense in the world if it's safe, if the environment is safe with not only COVID-19, but also the riots, to put them in Vegas. I mean, the hotels are there. The hotels are empty. Uh, the facility is there. The practice rinks are there. Uh, that's where I would go, um, hands down. If, if there's anybody that could handle it, it would be Vegas. But the one thing is keeps popping up my head, Seth, and you know where I'm going with this one, is what do you do for crowd control? How do you control people in an open area like the uh, Toshiba Plaza? Agreed. And I also think that, okay, so Vegas works, right? In terms of the protests, it hasn't uh, gotten too out of control. I mean, we did see um, Las Vegas police just kind of grab people off the streets towards the end of the protest. I believe that was on Saturday night. So I know that's caused a lot of fear and concern. But when you talk about other hub cities, right? I mean, I know New York's shut down, but they're talking about things maybe opening up. But I mean, you you can get nabbed just going to the grocery store in New York at this point. Um, the thing is, is I, I think at a certain point, I, this civil unrest isn't going to die down and rightfully so for I think two or three months. And so, uh, you know, if you want to get back to hockey, you're going to have to go to some smaller towns. I think you're going to have to go to some smaller towns. If you really want it that bad, Vegas might work, but do you call, Alabama Huntsville and ask them, can we use their arena? Right. Cause there's not going to be any fans. So what's the point in playing, you know, it's not going to matter if they're playing in a 20,000 seat arena or an 8,000 seat arena, what Alabama Huntsville has. So um, do you call some of these smaller colleges, right? Alabama Huntsville, Nebraska, Omaha. Is there a possibility? I know it's summertime. Do you go up to Alaska and ask those schools, can we use your ice rink? Like, I think at a certain point you're going to start seeing, you know, these bigger cities aren't going to work. I know it would be nice to have these people in a bigger city. It's easier to get resources such as food and, you know, the different products that these athletes use. Maybe Alaska's too far, but Nebraska, well, I'm going to throw out Grand, Grand Forks, North Dakota, right off the get-go. And the reason I say that is it is a smallish community. Uh, Fargo, North Dakota is just 68 miles down a freeway. Um, Grand Forks does have some hotel space. We all know what the Ralph Engelson Arena is like. It's the Taj Mahal uh, easily of college hockey. Uh, even though you don't need the seats, you do have the broadcast um, stations to uh, put on a NHL-type broadcast. They've done the World Juniors. So um, that would be my vote uh, if they were going to do that because that is a small enough community yet big enough and close enough to, uh, like I said, Grand Forks and Fargo are 68 miles apart uh, by interstate. So that would not be a problem, and the traffic flow there would not be a problem. But there's so many things to work out. I just don't understand which direction they're going to go. But let's take a quick break, Seth. Let's come back and uh, and bring our own Stephen Marsh on and, and get some insight into what it's like up in Vegas and Henderson and what that excitement is like. So we'll be right back in just a minute. Is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas – if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila 
has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether celebrating an overtime game winner or relaxing by the pool after a long work day, find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, Seth Askelson over in North Phoenix, Arizona. And our pleasure to uh, to bring in our own correspondent from up in uh, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen Marsh is with us right now. And Stephen, we brought you on because we want to know what in the world's going on with hockey, professional hockey, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Well, thanks to guys having me on. Uh, you know, it's, it's been uh, an exciting last few days. We had a the American League team last, last week, the Silver Knights, and you know I'm looking at their Twitter page. They've already got 14,000 followers on Twitter, so that people are already excited for this team. They've already started selling merchandise, and uh, you're already starting to see see people be excited for the uh, Silver Knights. Of course, the excitement for the Golden Knights too, and the, the prospects of a deep playoff run when that may uh, take place if, if we get to that in July, and, and maybe Vegas will be one of the spots for the NHL to resume. We'll see. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. And uh, uh, Seth and I were talking earlier about the uh, the new logo, the new name. The probably the worst kept secret uh, was the Silver Knights. But tell us about the your thoughts on the logo and your thoughts on the name and uh, and, and how it's all going to fit in with Las Vegas slash Henderson um, in, in a hockey sense. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's it's. It seems like you know they really put a lot of uh, emphasis on uh, the logo and, and really making it for for Henderson. I was actually there was a graphic that they uh, they posted uh, breaking down what the logo uh, represents. You know, it's it's got that H in the center, which of course stands for for Henderson, which is where the team is going to be based at. It's this is a team for Henderson, um, so that's this going to be their team. And there's a couple of features on the on the on the H there. There's the twenty links which are just supposed to represent uh, a chain mail and rib, 21 rivet, rivets to represent the 2021 inaugural season. Um, they've got a couple of gold eyes on the side there, which is supposed to be homage to the parent club in Vegas. There's a shield shape, which of course mirrors the Golden Knights because this is the Golden Knights' little uh, little brother, I guess, as, as they deemed it. And uh, so it, they've had, they had a 
lot went into it, and they broke it down, and uh, it all makes sense when you really look at it, and it makes it really cool. A lot of people are loving this this logo, so it's it's really really cool. All right, Seth, jump in and uh, and throw something Stephen's way. Well, Stephen, like I was telling Scott earlier in the show, um, you know, I, I'm usually pretty good for saying one thing that'll probably upset uh, Vegas hockey fans. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, how much uh, with that logo? I mean, Scott has been saying Henderson Silver Knights since pretty much the second they announced that there was going to be an American Hockey League team. Obviously, Scott's got a lot more knowledge uh, than me, but um, do you know if there was any other names that were heavily considered, or was it just one of those things where they're like Silver Knights makes the most sense, and, and we're going to run with it? You know, I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sure. I think I'm sure they had other names in mind, but I think, I think there was a lot of hints when it was getting closer that it was going to be Silver Knights. Just um, you know, when they started, when they started calling them the blank blank, so they knew it was going to be two names involved there. And then there was when they were doing certain trademark things with like the with the arena and certain things they they had it labeled SK. So you kind of figured, okay, well that can only you know that you can kind of narrow down what the SK was going to represent. And it and I think they really wanted this team to really be branded with the Golden Knights. And so what better way to get the Golden Knights than to call your AHL team basically the Silver Knights, which is just basically a step below. So um, I don't I'm sure they had other names in mind, but I think with the branding with how they want this to be. People want this to be associated with the Golden Knights. They know it's you know it's based in Henderson, and it just it just seemed like everything seemed to fit and click uh, in that way. Stephen, you know that uh, when we talked uh, up in in Henderson and Vegas for for people that maybe don't know um, the, the distance up there, tell us a little bit about how close those two communities are. If you have maybe you've flown into Vegas and you know the Strip and you know all that stuff, but how far is Henderson and and how does that whole thing work? Well, Henderson, Henderson is – you can get to – actually, it's about 20 minutes. It's not super far uh, from the Strip. You know, the Strip's kind of the center of, of Vegas. Uh, even uh, Maybe it's a little bit further from the Strip. The airport, if you go from the airport straight to Henderson, you probably could get there in 15, 20 minutes, depending on, on where you're going. You know, the life, Lifeguard Arena is going to be more – I think it's going to be closer than where they're, where they're going to put the, uh, the arena. Um, you know, it's – Henderson, it's, it's got its own community about it. Uh, in fact, sometimes you, you joke with people and they, they ask people where you're from and they say Henderson or they say Vegas. You know, you're from Vegas and they say, and, and people from Henderson will correct, will correct you and they say, no, we're from Henderson. So they're, they're different from Vegas people. Uh, you know, I mean, it's all part of the Southern Nevada umbrella, but, you know, Henderson, it's got its own, you know, mayor, it's got its own police, you know, city, all that stuff. And, and Vegas is kind of broken up into little towns, I guess, or townships. But but Henderson is its, it's, its own city. But you know the two work well together, and uh, I think it's it's a great uh, it's a great partnership. And it's it's I think it's great that the that the AHL team will be based in Henderson, and that you know these these arenas and rinks are going up in Henderson because there's a lot of a lot of people that live in Henderson now that will be able to to put money into hockey there and not have to travel to way out to Summerlin if they need to go do a hockey event or, you know, go, you know, wherever, but, um, and they'll have the, the games to be there close. So they can go to the Golden Knights games too. And, and those are close distance too. So um, I think it's, it's great that Henderson will have its own, have its own uh, team to root for. And uh, it's, it's great for Southern Nevada. Seth, you got something else to fire away at Steven? 
Yeah, sorry. I, I somehow got disconnected for a second. I know we were having issues with Tom last week, and I thought we were, we were having that same issue again, but it was on my end. Um, but anyways, I think with this AHL team, um, you see the best examples in Toronto where it's the same city. Uh, they use the same practice facilities. Obviously, they play in different buildings, but uh, just like the, the Silver Knights will. But uh, in Toronto, there's it's kind of well known that there's an NHL locker room in the facility and an AHL locker room in the facility. Not that the AHL players get treated any worse per se, but they don't get the same amenities as you would be if you're in the NHL. Do you know if there's any sort of plan for that type of thing where they're going to make a, you know, other than, Hey, you're, this is where you're playing on game night. Is there going to be any big distinction between NHL and AHL or are they going to kind of run as one? And then, you know, obviously on game night, go their separate ways. Well, I, as far as I understand, I mean, they, like I said, they're going to have their own facility to practice in. They're not going to share City National. They're going to have their own facility out in, uh, in Summerlin that will, or out in Henderson. That will be done by October, so that will be done. Uh, they're going to play their home games at, at the Orleans for the temporary status until the, uh, the arena for the 6,000-seat arena that they're, that they're putting through in Henderson, which is where the uh, Henderson Pavilion is, 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 is just out in Henderson, which is they're going to turn that – Convert that into a six thousand seat arena, so that's where they'll play their games. Um, I think they're gonna they're gonna they're 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 hiring their own they're gonna hire staff and and p- people to run the team, uh, but they are gonna be under the Golden Knights uh, uh, tutelage. But um, as far as I understand, they'll they'll have their own. We're gonna hire their own st- staff, and that'll be manage the team and the operations of the of the team. But I think they really want um, the Silver Knights to have the same excitement and. Like when you go to a Golden Knights game, the atmosphere that they you get when you go to the Golden Knights game with the opens and the the feel there, they want that to expel into uh, Silver Knights games and kind of have a mini fortress, I think, or or kind of a, a, a AHL version of the fortress uh, for the Henderson Silver Knights. So there'll be elements I think they're going to bring in that will be similar to the Golden Knights with the intros and and uh, obviously a lot of the players, it's all their prospects and stuff. And but uh, but you know they're going to have their own facility to practice in and they're going to have their own arena to play in. Uh, you know, once the arena's finished, but they'll play at the Orleans in the temporary status. So um, there's no problem with, you know, having to share the same building or anything like that. There's just going to be a drive away. And uh, if, if the coaches for the Golden Knights, they want to go, if the team's the Silver Knights are at home, they can go drive to Henderson and watch a practice. They obviously couldn't really do that when it was in Chicago. They, you know, they can only watch from afar. So that gives them a better idea of their prospects and be able to keep an eye on their on their players a lot more and it works too if you need to call somebody up and they're and the silver knights are home and the golden knights are home then they can just take a drive across town to uh t-mobile or and uh go to the game instead of having to worry about getting them on a plane ticket so but those are the good those are two elements i think is going to be really nice with uh, having the silver knights uh in southern nevada with the uh, golden knights steven a couple of things i want to touch on um when you talk about the uh how are they going to fill the seats? And, and we know about how many deposits have been t- put down on season tickets there. It's, it's over 5,000. And the first thing that came to my mind was how many people want to see the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and either can't buy a ticket or can't afford a ticket. I know uh, Bill Foley last Thursday night made a big push to that, saying tickets were going to start at $10. Uh, it was going to be a family environment. He really wanted that. So as a uh, Las Vegan, a Nevadian, <laughs> whatever whatever we say. Um, <laughs> your thoughts on just, is that going to bring in a new group of fans? Because I think it will. 
No, I'm with you, Scott. I think it will. I think you're going to see people uh, that can't go to the Golden Knights games. You know, those games are always sold out. They're expensive, and they're going to continue to probably be expensive. Um, that gives people an opportunity to to go to the games, and especially so many people in Henderson, but even people that live in Vegas too that can't afford to go to the Golden Knights games will go to uh, to to watch the, the the Silver Knights play. And as you as you said. They're going to keep the tickets. They already got so many deposits. I think they're over, over 6,000 deposits. It was only $50 to put a deposit down, and they're going to start doing uh, seat selections for the Orleans. Now, what's interesting is the Orleans Arena has about 7,800 for hockey, give or, you know, give or take a couple hundred. Now, when they build the place out in Henderson, it's only going to range in the 6,000 range. So there's going to be less seats eventually. So right now they're actually going to have more seats at the Orleans for a couple seasons, and then when they move to their full-time home in Henderson for, in that arena – it's only going to be in the six thousand range, so um, you're definitely. So I think that's going to really make the games in Henderson full because you're going to get maybe a season or two develop a fan base and people go to the Silver Knights games at the Orleans, and then when they move to Henderson, there's going to be less seats. There's going to be more of a demand to be able to get in and have and have tickets. So I'm be curious to see how that kind of plays out when they have to go from a place with seventy eight hundred to six thousand with season tickets and stuff like that. How they're going to manage to do that, but but yeah, I think there's going to be a great uh, a great demand for it. Uh, it's going to be affordable uh he mentioned anything about the hot dog you know hot dogs are going to be less too than what team will be you know orleans arena or probably eventually henderson will be less for hot dogs it'll be more more family uh friendly as i said it's going to be like a mini fortress so you're still going to get a lot of the same experiences that you would get at a golden knights game just more at the uh just at the ahl level so um people are going to get great hockey and and uh and i think it's going to be be great and uh can't wait to to see it uh develop uh this fall Seth, you got something else? Yeah, when it um, obviously being that close uh, within 20 minutes, uh, and you know being right there with the scheduling. Now in in Arizona, you know the Coyotes and the Roadrunners will play on the same night, but that's two hours away, and a lot of people will go to the Coyotes games because they're just as affordable as it is to drive down to Tucson and watch. You know, kind of all these different factors. I know it's a little bit different, but um, have you heard any word on whether they're going to try to avoid, you know, obviously it's not always up to the teams, but are they going to try to avoid having the teams at home at the same time? I know the AHL mostly plays weekend games, but have you heard anything about how they're going to try to schedule so um, they can kind of get the best uh, fan, you know, the best amount of fans um, at each game? Yeah, no, you know, I haven't heard much about that yet. Uh, as you as you did say, uh, Seth, you know, most of the AHL games they play on a weekend set, usually a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or a Thursday, Friday, Sunday. And NHL can be, you know, Tuesday or Thursday. You know, it could be different nights, um, and they're not usually back to back. I would guess there'll be some overlap. I probably, I mean, there'll be some nights where they'll probably have Golden Knights playing and the Silver Knights playing, and there'll probably be times where they're both on the road. But I'm sure they're going to try to work it out, and and it'll be interesting too especially this upcoming season, Seth and Scott, because you're going to have the late start to the, the NHL season with the uh, finishing of the season if, they want, if they're going to go to July or August. And then there's some question about when the NHL season for next season is going to start when this current season resumes and finishes. Um, and then that will overlap with, with the AHL if they plan on starting on time in October or you know, when they usually start. So there'll probably be some overlap there. I mean, depending on how far the Golden Knights go or, or, or however the season goes. So that'll be interesting to play out. But on a usual basis, normal October to you know May schedule. Uh,
choose. You know, pe people are going to go to probably Golden Knights games and Silver Knights games. There'll be people that'll go just to Silver Knights. I can't afford to go to a Golden Knights game, except for maybe once or twice a season. And you know, so but but I, I haven't heard anything official. But I, I would guess that they'll try to work it out to where they they'll be you know not playing at the same time. But I'm guessing there will be some overlap. Yeah, I would I would guess there will be. I think it's inevitable, but I'm sure they will do their best to try to separate the two out. One thing I can assure people with I've seen a lot of AHL hockey, especially over the last couple of uh, of seasons. But um, what I always think is when you go down to watch the Tucson Roadrunners, for example, you're seeing unbelievable quality hockey because a lot of those guys that are down there are just one injury away from a call up to the NHL. So a they play very hard, very fast. And their talent level is obviously close enough to bring them to the next level, which would be the NHL. So if you want to experience hockey up close and personal, like it is certainly in Tucson, and I'm guessing that the facility in Vegas will be, I know Orleans will be up close and personal. Uh, right. It's a great way to get out there and see some really good hockey uh, for not a whole lot of money and, uh, and really up close and personal, like I say. Yeah, it'll be great. And you know what's it's what's going to be interesting too is, you know, the, the when the Chicago Wolves, which you know has all the Golden Knights prospects and players, and they're going to move to uh, they're going to move to obviously to this new team. And but you look at the success that they've had in the in the three seasons under the Golden Knights, and and they've were able to um, go to the Calder Cup Finals uh, last last season. And it'll be interesting when they move out here to the West and how they can do against all these uh, these Western teams. You know what's going to be interesting is. You know, I'll even go back to the days of the Las Vegas Wranglers who played in Vegas, the ECHL team here. They played from 2003 to, to 2014. They, Phoenix Coyote affiliate and Calgary affiliate for, for a long time. And, and you know, a lot of these teams that they're going to play now out west, Ontario, Stockton, Bakersfield, Tucson used to be Phoenix. But they all used to be – they used to all come here a, a long time ago when they were all in the ECHL. Now it's going to be interesting that all these are AHL teams. Vegas now is – AHL is here now. So – um, people that have been following hockey here for a while, when they go to a, a, a Silver Knights game that maybe went to Wranglers games back in the day, they're going to see some familiar names of some teams that might come through here. So I was thinking about that too, thinking that's going to be kind of interesting to see some of these old teams. will be different makeups now, obviously now, but but it'll be real, uh, real interesting and kind of nostalgic for a lot of people. But but it's going to be great hockey. Uh, AHL players are are good and and uh, they're like I said, just a step below the NHL. In some cases, you get NHL players that come down for. So, you know, to have to play a couple games to get better or whatever. But, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's gonna be really good. Seth, you got one more for Steven? Yeah, last one. Um, as you mentioned, the Golden Knights have been having their AHL affiliate in Chicago. Do you know if there's any talks of helping those guys? I mean, obviously, they'll probably help them find some housing and things like that. But uh, in terms of, like, moving expenses and – you know, just getting everybody out to Henderson. Is there any talks in, um, in any help with that, and and what the steps are going to be for that? I I don't know anything about that yet. I'm sure they're working on. That. I would guess that they're going to. I would guess that there's a lot of places out in Henderson continuing to to go there. Also, a lot of the players uh on Henderson. It's possible that maybe some. Can room with some of the NHL players. I don't know the logistics on that, but uh, if, if if they want to do it, or they're probably going to, you know, put people in in that three or four in a house. I would guess, but you know, there's certainly a lot of housing out in Henderson, and that continues to 
to develop. And I, I would guess that they're going to – they want this to be a team for Henderson, so I would guess that they're going to want to have the players live out there. And, uh, and you know, you get to get the – you know, Henderson with the Raiders facilities going in, in there too. So they're going to probably look to bring Raiders players in there too. So Henderson's going to get a lot of uh, – a lot of guests, but I, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be exclusive to Henderson, the players might living there, but the only thing I know about that is I would think that they're going to try to work on, on getting them to, to Henderson. But uh, I, I would guess that they're going to, they're going to take care of the players. Well, the Golden Knights are really good about taking care of their organization and their players and making sure they got what they need. So uh, I, I would imagine that they'll, they'll work on that and uh, they'll, they'll probably keep them out in Henderson, I would guess, because it'll be easy for them to go to the rink and practice and eventually play their, their games there. But you know, the Orleans not too far. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree with you, uh, Stephen. And I'm going to let you go after uh, two quick ones here. The first one uh, is, as we talk about, we all know what the Golden Knights players have been to the community of Vegas. Uh, I would guess you expect probably the same out of the Silver Knights and Henderson as well, trying to get involved in the community and doing those types of things. That's the first one, and then I'll come back with one more after you answer that. Uh, I'm sorry, you have to repeat that uh, that question. I missed the first part of that. Okay. But it's still about okay. the community, right? Yeah, I was talking about the uh, Golden Knights players. Of course, are very big in the community, but the uh, I'm guessing the Henderson Silver Knight players are going to be very big in the Henderson community, just based off of what I heard from Bill Foley on Thursday night. Yes. Yeah. I, I would. I. Sounds like that. Well, that's their uh, that's their goal, and and uh, they want to this. They want this to be a team for Henderson. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna have to expect the players, and they're gonna be in the community there in Henderson, and and uh, and and make this really Henderson's team. And uh, just like when you have the fans here go to events here, watch parties, and I don't know if they'll do all that at the H level, but I would imagine they'll they'll make this a team for Henderson. I'm sure the practices will be open the fans uh, like the NHL team is and, and the fans go to City National for practices obviously pre-COVID I don't, I'm sure at some point they'll be allowed back but when the season resumes but uh, but yeah the AHL I'm sure they're going to have the fan, be, let fans be able to go to Silver Knights practices and, and really want them to be immersed in the community uh, in Henderson just like the Golden Knights are in uh, in Vegas and Summerlin and, and, and those parts Alright let you go on this one since we're talking professional hockey um you know as well as anybody, the talk has been uh, about finding two sites, one in the West, one in the East, to uh, to, to restart the NHL season. Um, Seth and I were talking before you came on that uh, we both think a lot of uh, – not a lot, but a few places have been eliminated due to COVID and rioting and different things like that. Um, sure. Your thoughts on, on Vegas, and you know, to me it's a natural fit. I mean, the hotels are there. Everything's there, uh, the ice sheets, the facility to play in, the broadcast facilities, all of that. Are you still leaving that uh, Vegas might be that Western site? Yeah, I, I think Vegas is certainly one of the sites. I, you know, they, there was some uh, discussion, I guess, after, you know, about whether they really want the host, really want the host team to be able to, to play in the, in the hub city or whether they would want them to play somewhere else to not give them a, some sort of advantage over the other teams. If they lean that way, then that could be a disadvantage for Vegas, or they might make the Golden Knights play and then another city and bring all the East teams out to the West. And, you know, they didn't say they were binding by having one city in the West and one city in the East. They could have two out West or two out East or, you know, one Canada or one United States, although there's the challenges with Canada because of their, their policy with the quarantine. But, you know, maybe by August they can get that restrict loosened or, or whatever. 
And now you have this other challenge now with the riots and, you know, you, the concern with the riots and, the, and all that is the, the spike in cases of COVID in different places uh, where they're having all these massive protests, which are happening throughout everywhere. But, you know, some are more out of control than other places. Vegas, the, the, the protests here have been pretty mild. That's a couple incidences as, as towards the end of them. But, but the, the protests here have been pretty peaceful, but you're still having a lot of people together. Uh, but, yeah, you know what, the hotels right all right near T-Mobile – and, and 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 if the Golden Knights do, if they do play in Vegas, and they they're going to be subject to the same restrictions as the other teams, from what I understand, they would impose on that. So the Golden Knights probably wouldn't be able to go home; they'd stay in a hotel like the other teams would be, and they wouldn't have you know the same sort of luxuries that they would have on a when they're at home playing. So um, yeah, Vegas would certainly be a, a be a good fit, and you're going to have a lot of hotels that are right there. Uh, they said transportation's a, a key thing, and, and we have certainly a lot of capabilities with transportation here as we deal with a lot of that and uh, the only thing that would be a concern maybe is if you're trying to truly keep players in a bubble there could be some distractions because the casinos will be opened up there yeah yeah i think we lost did we lose you steven he's still there sorry i'm here oh so yeah okay. so, yeah sorry about that i'm so, but uh, but if you know if there's the only concern would be if there's you know if they're staying in one of the hotels with the casinos and there's the casino there and you're gonna have you know can you keep people truly away from people and right. and keep them in a bubble but but I, Vegas would be a great fit because you have a lot of hotels close by uh, so we'll have to see what happens uh, what they decide um, but you know as of for for COVID concerns the cases here have been you know have been relatively mild and the testing's another thing and, and Nevada's certainly ramped up with with testing and obviously that would be a key thing so Vegas certainly would be I would think a front runner, but uh, it just just depends on how the league wants to go with it. All right. I'll let you go on this comment that that I saw. Uh, A lot of media people that covered the uh, UFC fight the other night, I uh, I saw a post from Amber Dixon over there in in Vegas that said she came in at like 7.30 in the morning to get tested and then was quarantined in a hotel for six hours waiting for the results of the, uh, the COVID test. And then... And then when it came back negative, she was able to then proceed to a media quarantine tent outside of uh, uh, T-Mobile. So that might be something that us as media people, all three of us, are going to have to look forward to when things finally get back to the quote-unquote new normal. So I hope you're prepared. (laughs) Well, we'll see. Well, you know, the interesting about that is the UFC, uh, you know, Dana White, he's, he's taking real pride in the fact that they're one of the first sports that were able to come back. Uh, the fight wasn't at T-Mobile, though. They did it at their, their headquarters, their Apex facility right, in Vegas. Yeah, so, yeah, my bad. So, no, no, but that's, I just want to make that clear. There's nothing's happening at T-Mobile yet, though. But, uh, but you know, sports can resume here without fans if, if protocols are made. But, yeah, the he's doing that. He's putting a lot of money into that. They they, they, book out, they booked out a hotel where they're taking the test for, for the fighters and for media that are going to cover the fight that day there at the event. Uh, they keep them in the hotel, and if they're positive, all of a sudden they're not going there. If they get a negative test, and then when it's time, they all load up on a – they don't even drive themselves. So they, they, they get into a bus or a, a bus, all the media that were going to the fight. They took them on a bus all at the same time to the Apex facility. They put them in a, a tent, uh, socially distant tables, and they did everything from there. And, and then, obviously, they bust them back, and then they were able to leave. But, uh, yeah, that could be something you, you see. It, it could be expensive to do that, but uh, – but the UFC can can do it, and uh, you know they, they're taking really pride in the fact that they're one of the first sports that are able to come back, and kind of hope that other sports can figure out ways that we can they can resume, 
And uh, and then you know we'll see about how how they approach the media. My guess would be with the media for the NHL is and I don't I don't want to if um, is that the the broadcasters would be my guess if the these subsidies they they'll I'm guessing they'll stay in their home cities and broadcast the game from a studio or from their maybe their home rink at a broadcast booth. But I don't I don't think I think when they the NHL season resumes it's going to be very limited on who can attend the game. Most people are going to have to probably cover it from afar even the broadcasters and how they're going to do that. Yeah. We don't know if it'll be one set of cameras and everybody just feeds off that feedback to NBC or, you know, the local teams, you know, for the first round, however they, they do that. Uh, you're not going to see a lot of crews at the, at the sites, I would guess. So, um, cause you're gonna have 12 different teams too. You know, you're gonna have 12 different teams there. So that would be how I would guess. And I would guess that's the same for baseball when they come back and how they, when they come back, if they come back, um, they'll probably, if they play in their home cities, home stadiums, they'll be able to be at the game, but if they travel, the broadcasters might stay and do the game in a studio or something. So I think it'll be long well before we see everything back to normal where you have like 50, 60 media at a game or something. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. But, uh, but yeah, it, could, it might, be getting, might, might be in store for a lot of COVID tests and antibody tests or whatever. We'll, we'll see. All right, my friend. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, get some rest and get prepared for Wednesday night because uh, Club <laughs> Hockey Southwest That's Weekly right. is going to be big. We're going to be introducing yeah. – uh, the uh, the new schedule for the UN, UNLV Rebels that came yep. out today. We'll talk the schedule. We'll have uh, at least one of the coaches and maybe a player on with us, and, and we'll chat it up. So get some rest, stay safe, uh, stay out of the riots, okay? <laughs> yes, I'm uh, staying out of the riots. Uh, I looked over the schedule for UNLV. I was breaking it down, and can't wait to talk about it on Wednesday and, and have some UNLV uh, player people on. So look forward to it, Scott. All right, that's our own Stephen Marsh joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada, giving us the update on the Henderson Silver Knights and the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's take another quick break. Seth and I will come back and wrap up another episode of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. We find your prime with M-Drive. Hi, everybody. This is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products were being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from your sports gear and and your gym and all that stuff. Um, in, in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, it is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and, and, and gear. Uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena, College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. College Bar and Grill, pregame like a pro, postgame like a champion. Online at ilovecollege.co. All right, and we're back. Scott Strandy, 
uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona, Seth Askelson over in North Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, Seth, we had a chance to visit with Stephen, uh, get a little uh, insight information from somebody that lives and born and raised up in the uh, Las Vegas area. Um, where do we go from here? We need games, right? We need uh, COVID to die down. We need the rioting to stop. We need so many things. Give me your overview on uh, on just how close you think we are to seeing guys on the ice. I know what they're talking about. I know the ice is coming in. How close are we, Seth, in your opinion? Uh, we're further away than we were last week. That's for sure. I thought that they were close to maybe a July start, right? I mean, a lot of players had kind of expressed three, four weeks for a training camp to even get back into game shape and all that. And um, I don't even see players being able to get brought in until July. Um, so, I mean, if they are this dead set on finishing a season, I don't think we're going to see anything until August. Um, and again, I think you're just, it's going to be one of those where, um, you know, you're going to have – a draft. I think, you know, I know they really haven't said it much on the draft. I know they're, they're pretty much saying it's going to stay the same. And don't forget, uh, Brody in June, Scott, we should be handing out the Stanley Cup within the next three, four days. And instead, we're talking about if that's even going to happen. Um, so I just think that come, you know, I think August, if they are still dead set on bringing hockey back. And honestly, if you wait till August, you might be able to get some fans back in the building, right? I know Texas has announced that they're going to allow some uh, seating for open air sporting events. I don't know if, you know, Texas then makes, uh, you know, adds on to that. They say, okay, well, you can have limited fans in indoor settings, things of that nature. Uh, so again, I, I mean, the longer you go along, you, you know, if you're still saying, okay, we're going to play a lockout, you know, S season come next year. It might not be a bad idea to wait till mid-August, early September to see if any of the restrictions regarding, you know, large activities and can how many people can you put in an arena it might not be a bad idea because then you can, again, start to recoup some of those losses. Like you're at a point where you, you say, hey, look, there's a lot of civil unrest. It's going to be really hard to get players in, not only from Canada to the U.S. or vice versa, but also – from across the world, right? Like a lot of right. guys flew back home to their Scandinavian countries, their European countries. Um, so, you know, at a certain point you say, Hey, you know, if we're allowed back into buildings by mid August or September one, yeah, maybe you just wait it out. Who knows? But again, that comes into the legal play, right? A lot of these contracts, you know, for those hitting free agency, those contracts are technically up July 1st. Right. So then again, you got to kind of deal with that with, okay, well, are we going to extend these contracts? And, you know, and again, you think about it. I, I know these guys want to play, right? Like they want to play. But for some of these guys that could be getting a big payday, is it worth getting back out there, getting hurt, and maybe screwing around with your free agency, right? Like I, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to see a player go out there. And look, I know they're competitors. But again, you go out there and say somebody suffers a tough leg injury, right? Like an ACL surgery and, you know, almost something to what like Kevin Durant had um, yeah. where he exactly. has missed the entire NBA season because he got hurt um, in the NBA finals. So, you know, are you going to have a guy who's due for maybe not a mega $10 million a year payday, but a guy who's going to get his money, especially if it's a guy who was drafted in the later rounds, uh, get hurt? So. Um, just a lot of 
a lot of legalities and, and a lot of safety concerns beyond, you know, illnesses and can we make sure the building doesn't get rushed? Exactly. And, you know, I think, Seth, you're right on point right, with what you said because uh, my thought was in the overall scheme of things, at least in the United States, uh, we were going to look at a lot of the uh, states have reopened at least to some point. And then we have Memorial Day. Now we have the riots and the protests and all the people gathering together. It, you know, if you give it 14 days and you don't see huge spikes, then then maybe we've done something to slow down the COVID because I don't see, after what I've seen the last week uh, in gatherings from Memorial Day on, I don't see how we can't see tremendous spikes if this is still in full force the way some suggest that it might be. Yeah, and um, I know Arizona, again, I think Arizona is pretty much out um, in terms of hub cities, but you saw, I saw something earlier today, uh, I believe it was via AZ Central, that uh, COVID cases have increased since, um, since the reopening. Now, I didn't get a chance to read the whole story because I saw it in passing. Um, I didn't get a chance to see now, is that because testing went up? It could be, right? Like the best way you're going to measure this, and I'm no scientist. I don't want anybody to take this as medical advice or, you know, uh, any sort of scientific, you know, basis. But it seems that if you're going to, what you want to see is you want to see a consistent number of tests, right? Like if, are you going to test 2,000, 3,000 people a day? You got to do that for 14 days. And are those numbers increasing? You know, if you're doing 3,000 tests a day and all of a sudden it goes from 200 to 300 to 500 to 900 cases, you know, new cases, you'd say, yeah, you have a problem. But if you're doing more testing with more, you know, with more cases going up, obviously, um, there's a little bit of a discrepancy there. And again, I, not that I'm saying COVID isn't an issue or, you know, don't worry about it. I'm just saying that uh, as much as you know, we want to be careful, and yes, it is alarming no matter how much testing they do that the numbers are going up. But is that a is that due to how much testing is being done or is that due to um, a, a very large and very disturbing increase to the amount of cases? So I think, you know, nationwide, that's that's where the answers have to be. And again, I mean, Arizona, as much as I hate to say it, and, and we, we heard the Las Vegas mayor um, on Anderson Cooper, I believe that was about a month ago, right. basically offer up her citizens as, as a test case. I mean, as much as I hate to say it, like, yeah, I mean, Arizona and Texas are kind of, we're kind of the test states right now. I know I've been um, somewhat cautious when I go out, so um, I'm not feeling any symptoms, but obviously the disease can be very um, extremely asymptomatic, especially uh, in people my age. Uh, so that's just, that's the big thing, right? Like you have to have consistent testing and is it, is it going to get to a point where, you know, kind of like UFC, right? You go in, you get the COVID test. If you're cleared, you go into a media quarantine tent. And if you're, you know, obviously we didn't really hear, I, at least I didn't hear a story about somebody that got denied or tested positive, but no, actually you know, then the report came out and, that, that everybody, all of the, everybody in the media tested positive or uh, negative. So they were all good to go, which is, uh, I think unusual to be honest with you, but that's what I, uh, that's what I heard. They all tested negative and we're all uh, good to go in and cover the fight. Yeah. And I think that's where, um, I mean, obviously you're from Minnesota and I remember when the Super Bowl was there a few years back, one of the big things that I think a lot of people didn't know about Minnesota was uh, kind of the, 
outdoor hallways, for lack of a better term, that were available in the city, right? Like you didn't have to step outside, right? You know, in the winter time to walk between building the skywalk. Building. And you see that in Vegas, some right the skywalk. And you see you, they have those in Vegas too. Maybe they're not air conditioned necessarily, but you never, you know, in order to cross streets safely and to get to the casino from casino, you know, there's a lot of skywalks. And uh, I wonder, do you build? a skywalk, right? Like if, say, even if you're in a smaller town, right, do you kind of quarantine, say you go to Grand Forks, North Dakota, say you go to, I mean, Omaha is a little bit of a bigger city, so it might be tough, but maybe say Alabama, Huntsville, you know, do you say, hey, these four square miles are for the NHL only, and as much as, you know, you hate to block your citizens off for anything, do you basically just make a, a four- four square mile area where you say, okay, this is all, you know, you basically build an NHL community for lack of a better term. And that, you know, that's how you keep NHLers away from the public. So there's no chance of a spread and um, kind of vice versa, right? If somebody ends up getting it, that everybody kind of quarantines. There is something like that already, already pre-built. It's called the uh, Lake Placid Olympic village. Where they uh, they played the Olympics in 1980, uh, that would be a place where you could quarantine everybody, for lack of a better terms. With uh, the problem with that though, Seth, is that you're talking about NHL players that um, have contracts that give them certain amenities, and I don't know that you would find those in Lake Placid, but that would certainly be a bubble. Um, and just off of that topic, uh, real quick before we uh, before we say goodbye for the night, is uh, I was thinking. You know what started the entire breakup of professional sports was when what? A uh, player from Utah uh, in the NBA tested positive, and all of a sudden everything shut down. So what happens if we get everything up and running, and all of a sudden we have an outbreak or a mini outbreak within the NHL or the NBA or NFL or whatever? What's going to happen then? Are, are they going to be just as extreme and shut everything back down? Or are they going to try to work through it? How, how do you think that's going to work? You get just a couple more minutes. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't know. You know, uh, it's like the flu, right? I mean, uh, here, let me rephrase that. That's a bad wording. By the flu, I mean, People can have the disease. They can have yeah. they, they can have the antibodies. They can have the germs and spread it without knowing. And you know, oh, I, I don't have hard symptoms, right? I might just have a, a dry cough. My head doesn't hurt, and I can breathe fine. Well, that doesn't mean that's going to affect anybody differently, right? Like if, if you have mild symptoms, Scott, and you know, say you give it to me on accident, um, and you know, who knows how each person's body is going to react? Um, so I just. I don't know. And then you have players that have somewhat underlying issues that may not be known about, right? I mean, you think about the amount of cardiac uh, incidents that have happened in the last 10 to 15 years, right? Rich Peverly, um, Craig Cunningham in our own backyard here, and um, just as recently, Jay Bomies are like, you know, they say it attacks the lungs and the respiratory system and those with underlying issues can really have difficulties fighting the virus. Like what if somebody, you know, somebody like Barrett Hayden, right? Not that I'm wishing this on anybody, but say a guy like Barrett Hayden, a 19 year old, a guy who's either in the best shape of his life or getting close to the best shape of his life. What if he has something underlying that he doesn't know about? And, 
you know, this disease, you know, through a disease, he gets this and something gets found out, right? Like you just, it's just so hard because you want to get back, but maybe there's some underlying issues or guys with uh, pre-existing conditions that just, you know, it's just so hard. So um, well, as much what? as, you, you know, you, you want to say, yeah, good point. Work and, and uh, as far as the Arizona Coyotes, there's a guy that used to play for the Coyotes and Max Domi who's uh, a type 1 diabetic, and there's already been talk about, nope, Max isn't playing uh, no matter what uh, until they have something figured out to make sure that he's, because he's that on high risk type of thing. So, yeah, that's a very valid point. Okay, we got about three minutes left. Um, I tasked you if you had a, uh, a, a trivia question to kick off our uh, hashtag pucks on the pod you got anything you want to throw out there, or do you want me to come up with one for night one? Um, I was thinking um, ah, there's just so much good <laughs> trivia, right? I mean, when you, you think about the Coyotes. We've got a lot of shows. <laughs> we do, we do. And actually, um, I do have one, and let me look. I want to make sure I get this number correct. Uh, because if you remember, in 1996, Scott, were you here at Arizona by 1996? Oh, yes. Yeah, I was here. By the Coyotes first? Yep, I was here. Okay, so you remember the Coyotes' first year? Yes, I do. When Keith Kachuk had 52 goals, right? Like, what, a, what an accomplishment. It. Yes. That's the most he's ever had in his career. Now, 52 goals did not, surprisingly, did not lead the lead in goal, lead the league in goals that year. Yeah. Who was the person that led the league in goals? There you go. Hashtag pucks on the pod. Get to our uh, social media site at Twitter uh, and post that with the hashtag pucks on the pod. One more time, Seth. Give us that question. So the question is um, actually, I was, I'm sorry. I did not get that right. Oh, oh. I'm looking at a different year. I'm sorry, Scott. That is actually not the question. I apologize. Okay. He did end up. Okay, hang on. I got a better question, though. I got a better okay. question. Though. We got a better one, folks. So, it's night one. The, yeah, we got a better one. I apologize on night one. Um, so, as we all know, Tamu Solani, a great, a fantastic Winnipeg Jet, right? I mean, set the um, set the record for – um, goals by a rookie and just, you know, unfortunately that he never got to play here in Arizona. Right. I mean, he got right. yep. um, dealt right, right before um, the team. It was actually during, um, during their final season in Winnipeg. So the trade was on February 7th. Um, can anybody name the, if you can name the two players uh, there was a draft pick in there, but the, I I don't care about the draft pick. Who are the two players that the Winnipeg Jets, who eventually turned into the Arizona Coyotes, received in the Tamu Solani deal on February seventh, nineteen ninety six? Once again, the actual question is: Who were the two players that the uh, Winnipeg Jets, who eventually in that summer turned Arizona Coyotes, received in the trade with the Anaheim Ducks, the Mighty Ducks at that point? For Tamu Solani on February seventh, nineteen ninety six. All right, let's let's make it even easier on them. If you can give us one of the two, but we definitely would like to hear uh, 
here the two players that was uh, that were traded for Tamu Solani. Uh, 1996, that's it. Hashtag pucks on the pod. Send it to us at uh, ice at ice time SW on Twitter. Uh, we'll take a look. We'll give you 48 hours to post it. Then we'll pick a winner out of that group. And we've got a great prize pack coming from our friends at uh, Summer Skates. So what a great way to end the show. Seth, be safe. Um, let's uh, let's see if we can't get everybody in this country together. Can we do that by next Monday, do you think? Can we get everybody together? <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, hopefully there's um, some sort of justice served. I know that um, a lot of these protests are about, you know, making sure that those who don't have the same privilege as you and I, uh, just due to their skin color, um, have the opportunity to the same justice and, and afforded the same things. And, um, you know, when it comes to police interaction, sure, I've been lucky enough to never have any issues. Um, but uh, I know those, um, you know, people of color and, and those with different ethnic backgrounds do not get afforded the same um, opportunities. And um, that's, that's what these marches are for. You know, it's, it's about making sure that um, specifically the black community is, um, you know, make sure they get the same rights uh, that everybody else does. And um, especially in hockey, I mean, I know it's not you and me particularly Scott, but it's just the hockey culture that has not been inclusive to the black community and, um, the women community and, and those with different ethnic backgrounds and, and just the minority community in general. And um, some of the statements out, you know, sent out by teams, you know, the Coyotes, I thought had a, a decent one, but um, I know some fell on, on real hard criticism, particularly um, the New York Islanders where they thanked the police, despite there being um, video of yeah. New York, the New York police department, um, you know, being excessive. And so um, this is a time, you know, yeah, do we want to come together? Sure. But we don't want to come together and say, you know, stop, stop, you know, the protests because it's, it's hurting America. You know, the people in, in the black community have been hurting a long time, um, whether it be slavery or their fight for civil rights or their fight against police brutality. And um, yeah, I mean, I want everybody to come together, but I want to make sure we're coming together because, the issue is solved, not because we don't want to talk about the issue anymore. Well said, my friend. We will uh, sign off for the night for uh, another Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, and uh, we'll visit you all again next Monday night. For Seth Askelson, I'm Scott Strandy saying good night. Here's a little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, playing a little De Niro for us. Mm-hmm.